My name is Barry Robertson and this is Insights the Podcast, your behind the scenes to theatre. Take your seat, the show is just about to begin. In this episode, I talk to Lindsay Dunbar. With 15 years of experience as a strategic leader, project manager and innovation producer, Lindsay Dunbar is a cultural crofter, nurturing and tending to creative projects in rural areas. This year, Lindsay created her research Forgotten Regions, developing theatre through rural creative hubs, and shared this research at this year's Edinburgh Fringe. I talked to Lindsay about this work and her thoughts on how more theatre is created in rural areas. Hi everyone, thanks very much for joining me today. Um, I'm with the lovely Lindsay Dunbar. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for inviting me along. It's been a little while since we last saw each other, eh? We were in Edinburgh. Yeah, we were in Edinburgh as part of the Edinburgh Fringe, um, doing the panel discussion, which was really exciting. And it was just it was just a really lovely afternoon and great opportunity to hear people in a room all sort of thinking similar thoughts. So that was really nice. Now you had the reason why you had did that was because you had just finished your research on rural arts hubs. Can you tell people who may be listening for the first time, tell us a little bit about that and why you came to start that question? Yeah, so I was doing the Clore Fellowship. Um, I was fortunate enough to be selected as the Creative Scotland Clore Fellow. Um, and it's absolutely vital that organisations like Creative Scotland continue to invest in the Clore Fellowship because it's hugely beneficial to the cultural sector in Scotland, as well as the, the whole of the UK. Um, and through that opportunity, we were invited to um, pitch ideas for research to the Arts and Humanities Research Council. And the work that I was doing at that time, um, I was down in Bristol working with Bristol Old Vic and I was looking at rural theatre um, in the southwest of England. And I was really interested in some of the relationships between um, Arts Council England and the support they'd given to um, English based theatre companies and what was happening in Scotland and the fact that it felt very urban centric in, in Scotland with the support that was coming from Creative Scotland. So I wanted to kind of look at what the conditions were for um, successful theatre being produced in rural areas. So I did three case studies and I went over to Holstenbro in Denmark. Uh, I went to Dumfries and Galloway um, and I also went to, I didn't go to, sorry, I did some case study calls down in Devon as well um, and put together these, these three case studies. And what was really interesting was in Denmark, uh, in Scotland and in England, what came out was this feeling that all these regions had actually been forgotten by the central um, sort of urban areas. So uh, that's why the paper's called Forgotten Regions, because for various reasons, it felt like the funding wasn't available, the audiences weren't there, the um, reputation wasn't of high quality, they've just all been forgotten. And they were all kind of in these little corners in the different parts of the countries. And it was really fascinating because over the, the course of the research, I kind of identified the conditions which were similar, whether they were in Denmark, Scotland or England, they were the same conditions for this um, point of, of crisis, really, which enabled um, kind of cultural revolutions to start happening in these areas. So the, the conditions were basically things such as mass or, or you know, mass unemployment and underskilled um, opportunities as well. 
um, young people leaving and going to the urban areas to get their qualifications and experience. And then also the, usually there being some sort of economic crisis um, as well. Now, obviously, historically, those were of their time. But I think it's really interesting that we're probably in the middle of a, a potential economic crisis at the moment. So it feels like a really good time to be talking about it. So when these three conditions kind of happen, um, there seems to be a movement towards looking at how culture can actually start to um, invest in areas and actually develop things and change things and grow things. And I think that's really exciting for rural areas. And I think theatre has a huge role to play in that. So one of the things that's been interesting through the work that I've been doing in the last couple of podcasts is just looking at RFOs. And I suppose what's interesting from your research, you've looked at that as well. And I think it's really interesting that if you look over the three years, the amount that we're funding in regions completely differs. So, for example, Edinburgh's got 41 uh, portfolio holders. And then it roughly works out, I'd say, £50 per head of population over three years. Yet there's maybe areas um, in Scotland which there are with zero, zero public funding mm -hmm. spent. What is your opinion then on how can we address these balances within some of these RFOs? In my opinion, I think we need to look at how we are measuring the, the applications. And we actually have to consider different metrics, I think, when it comes to rural areas, because the outcomes for urban um, RFOs are completely different and non-comparable to what's happening in rural areas as well. I mean, you're never going to get the same number of bums on seats as you are, you know, Inverness will never get the same as Glasgow or Edinburgh. And yet these are what things are getting measured by, you know, how successful was the show, how many people turned up. Um, that's great if you can say, yeah, there was a sellout show and we had a run for, you know, three months. Well, we, we don't have those kind of statistics in rural areas. So it, it should be about looking at um, the potential economic investment, the well-being, the social, the impact that they're having. Um, one of the things I found particularly interesting about the work I was doing in Bristol was I could evidence that over the 10 years, as a result of some of the work that Bristol Vic had been doing, they were attracting young creative people out of London to relocate to the southwest and staying there. And that wasn't just about going to Bristol, which obviously is still quite an urban um, context. But it was about being scattered across the whole of the southwest and seeing Bristol as, as that kind of umbrella that held everything together. So there is a huge argument, I think, for um, changing the way we measure these things. I, you know, you, you can't compare a giant cultural institution with um, an organization that's working across you know a region the size of Belgium that just doesn't work so I think we really really need to address that and I also think what would be groundbreaking would be alongside audience development plans um, would, and you know uh, equality diversity inclusion plans I would really like to see every single RFO have uh, a rural strategy as well because they always talk about engaging with, with you know, other audiences and usually that's tick box, we're going to tour a show somewhere. It's like, well, that's fine, but actually what else are you going to be doing? How are you going to ensure that you're not just parachuting in with the show and then leaving again? What are you actually going to be doing to support the development of culture in a rural area in a long-term and um, authentic way? 
And I think we absolutely need to be addressing that in, in the same way that I think rural organisations could also have an urban policy too. How are you going to ensure that you're reaching out to the cities and making sure they're aware of the work that's going on? Because otherwise we're all working in silos and just thinking we're all brilliant and that nothing else really matters. And actually, if they want to encourage the sector to be working more collaboratively, then we need to acknowledge that the other exists and that there's other opportunities then. And that could be a really great thing. I, I would just absolutely love to see um, you know, a funding application form where somebody's got an actual rural policy about how they're going to engage meaningfully. I think that would be fantastic. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when you were speaking there, coming from Ayrshire myself, there's so many arts organisations that will go, you know, we're coming to air for the one day. Uh, we've done our bit, tick, yeah. and cheerio. And I think what's really interesting is for people that aren't in the arts, a lot of people don't understand that their taxpayer, so their taxes are paying for the arts organisations and then the national lottery funding through ticket sales are paying for the arts organisations. But then none of that money's coming to an area, especially if there's no RFO. Yeah. So it, it, the reason why I asked that question was because I think you're definitely right. There needs to be a rethink on how we do that, especially when we saw last year, a lot of London organisations being asked, do you need to be in London? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> Can you be absolutely. somewhere else? Do you think that's maybe a similar motive of what's required here in Scotland? Um, I think that's a really good question. I suspect that Scotland is too small for something like that. And, you know, I, I wonder how, you know, Eden Corp would react if the Traverse decided that actually they were going to set up Traverse North, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but, but maybe it's not so much about that but it's more about thinking about how do we share out the work so that you know Eden Court could um, work with the Traverse but to develop something new and different to support new theatre writing in the Highlands um, so it wasn't Eden Court and it wasn't the Traverse but it was them working together to create something else almost like you know another organisation through a partnership which distributed the RFO Funding. God, I feel like I feel like I'm coming up with this whole new sort of funding application idea myself. But basically, you know, working properly collaboratively together to benefit other areas by setting up um, a new project or initiative together, which actually would potentially then become its own organisation in the end as well. That could be a really powerful way of of spreading the resources um, and making sure that yes, the cultural institutions were meeting their rural policies, but also it was helping the development um, back towards the urban areas as well, because they're strengthening links between the sort of the, the rural and the urban. Um, and that can be really interesting. Um, I, I suppose it'd be sort of a question of, yeah, I mean, you can, you can really boil down into the statistics and, and kind of go, okay, so, you know, let's look at how much of your work is actually going out rurally and actually if we want to be really pedantic about it 98 percent of, of scotland is rural land so actually we should be having a much higher percentage of engagement in in rural areas um and evidencing basically year-on-year -year growth of engaging in rural areas and say actually your target is 98 percent engagement with rural areas because that's what actually scotland's landmass is um so yeah it's a, it is a really interesting question and I mean you could even boil that down to in a really simple form as well you could say you know do all creative things have to happen in Inverness as well and actually 
as arts organisations in, in Inverness, do you need to be based in Inverness? If you're based in Inverness, are you really representing the Highlands? So, you know, and there are all of these kind of questions. And I think ultimately what it then boils down to is the sort of the, the, the government's theory of centralisation makes it things cheaper and more efficient. And, and that is, I think, the message that everybody's been taking on board is actually it's easier to be centralised and, and say that you're delivering outwardly when the reality is you're, you're probably not because you don't have enough funding to do it. Um, but yeah, I think I think there could be really exciting ways of doing things. But yeah, the, the risk is is the funding. You know, it would be I think it'd be wonderful if as a sector we could campaign to the, the government and say, actually, can you give Creative Scotland funding for us to take risks and actually have a risk fund and say actually we want to do something really risky here we want Eden Court and the Traverse Theatre to be working together to create something new in a rural area it's a risk but it could also create jobs and it could be great for the economy and it could you know be the next Black Watch which is going to go on and represent Scotland internationally who knows what could happen it's a risk but it's a risk which might be worth taking um, and that would be really exciting, probably for Creative Scotland as well, who probably get brilliant applications, but have to sit there and go, this is too risky, we can't give funding for this. And that is because they have this massive responsibility when it comes to public funding. But God, wouldn't a risk fund, that would be so exciting. I think you're right there, because as we move on with technology, we're going to be taking more and more risks, aren't we? And we're yeah. going to be doing things differently to try and get more people to take part in that. And I think definitely with a risk, especially here, you know, working in, in Ayrshire, where I'm working with young people, 97% are first-time participants. That's crazy, 97%. And to have that idea of a joint partnership, whether I'm taking a guess here, whether it's like the Trav, as you said, with the Airgatey, with somebody taking that work and creating that work at our local big theatre, and people saying these are Ayrshire stories mm -hmm. with the production values of the Trav with the support of the Airgatey behind them is exactly similar to what you're saying about Eden Court. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, as well, I think that I think the whole young people thing is a really interesting uh, development because currently I was looking this morning and there's so much funding being thrown into STEM and digital technology and all these things. And I agree with you 100% that there is so much opportunity to engage with young people in tech and digital and media and theatre and arts as well. Because, and, you know, and I know there's that case that the A should be in STEM to make it STEAM, but it just doesn't sound so good when it's STEAM somehow. But um, I think there's real potential for the creative sector to jump on board the STEM um, opportunities to say, yeah, but, you know, if this is the future, the future is going to be more going down the road of, um, you know, VR or, you know, streaming online and stuff. We need creative people to be involved in that process. And actually, you can create theatre um, using gaming, for instance. You know, there was a, a company in um, Londonderry who did a Minecraft piece of theatre, which was amazing. And it engaged people from all over the world and people are still viewing it online. So actually, there's all these amazing ways of engaging young people in particular and showing them these skills such as coding, but then also being able to apply that to, you know, theatre. And I think that's really exciting because it's giving them transferable skills, life skills, confidence, but also potentially, you know, it makes a more interesting model when it comes to theatre as well, because there is that potential 
for people viewing it online, making donations, a way of generating income in a way that we've never had before. Um, so the, there's something really exciting about this whole new generation of young people who are getting trained up in these amazing skills. And I think that the creative sector should be really working closely with them to say, we need you and your abilities and your talents and your ideas to work with us and future-proof the sector, basically. And I think you only get that from the arts, because if you think about it, a lot of the artwork that we do, a lot of it doesn't become successful. A lot of it is an individual learning process. And it's something that you don't teach in school, is reflection on what didn't go so well, how did you build on it, how can we learn from the next project? And that's where the arts come in. And I think that's one of the biggest problems, especially in rural areas at the moment anyway, that I see in my area, is... How do we still build in community and keep that community core or values of bringing people together when venues and institutions have been shut due to lack of public funding? But then if young people are so focused on STEM who have never had the opportunity to fail or being creative, then the two are never going to join up. And it makes yeah. our sector more elitist, doesn't it? Yeah, I do. I think that's a really good observation. Yeah. I think it's I think it's really I think it's really important that young people get exposure to absolutely everything so they can figure out what they're good at and what they enjoy doing and where their potential lies. And I also think we should be encouraging them to think, you know, beyond the obvious when it comes to job opportunities as well. And it's I, I you know, I just I think back to some of the things I now know you can do for a living and I think, God, why why didn't somebody tell me I could do that? And I just think we need to make sure that young people realise that they can be great at maths and science and still work in the arts, actually, <laughs> because we need people to have those skills as well. Um, and yet it's it's really strange how all of the, you know, the first thing to go is always like drama. And it's like, well, actually, how are you meant to learn about confidence or public speaking and things like that? You know, if, unless your school happens to have a debating society, which not every school has. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 really really fascinating and I think there's there's a lot of potential and I, I feel that the sector is ready for a bit of a change and I also think it's brilliant that young people are getting this um sort of access to STEM especially in regions like the Highlands because I, I see no reason why in 10 years time if we all have amazing infrastructure in place for broadband that rural communities can be a hotbed of, you know, digital arts and, you know, and could be creating pieces of theatre which are then streamed over the internet, you know, in the same way that Netflix does it. Why, you know, if, if that is a vision for the future, then we can be working towards that. But we've got to have that imagination um, and the support from organisations like Creative Scotland to realise the benefit that actually public funding isn't just about putting on a piece of theatre on a big stage in Glasgow or Edinburgh, it's about the social impact, the economic impact and the well-being that's having on a rural community as well. And that isn't just about a piece of theatre touring into the local village hall for one night. It's about everybody in that community being involved in the process and feeling ownership over it as well. And then having that tremendous sense of pride when it goes off and has another life somewhere else. And you know, we all want to be supportive of each other. Um, and I just think that's a kind of a message that we we as a sector need to be articulating to, to the people who make the decisions. One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, as obviously you're talking about forgotten regions and arts, mm. was what do what is the role of government funded or arts organisations within these regions? 
So for those who are listening, that's your like National Theatre Scotland, your Scottish or- Orchestra, you've got your your Scottish Ballet. Yeah. To name such a few. What are the roles for these organisations? Uh, specifically to to rural areas. To rural, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very much about being able to bring these incredible art forms. I I feel to communities that wouldn't be able to get that exposure in in different ways. I mean, it's challenging because, you know, somebody like Scottish Ballet, for instance, can't necessarily tour to small village halls. Um, however, you know, obviously schools can come to Eden Court, which is great. But I think it's, for me, it's about being able to get up close and touching them and realising that they're not these grand institutions um, you know, to, to be able to speak to one of the ballet dancers and understand what it takes to actually be at that level, um, to realise that, you know, that person that you saw on the telly is now on the stage in front of you and you can go to a post-show discussion with them, to sort of break down those barriers that makes them seem inaccessible. Because I think it's through that that you can be more inspired and and believe in the arts more as well, because, you know, ultimately some people have the argument that it's their funding, it's their money that's paying for that. So I think in order for them to really feel appreciated as the people paying for it, then there needs to be that that accessibility. I remember seeing, um, it was one of the, I think it was the Scottish Symphony Orchestra were doing a, a tour and they were in Ullapool, and one of their patrons, who's from the village that I'm from, Ackleti Bowie, he posted up on social media um, a photograph with him and this this young musician because he'd been sponsoring him, he'd been sponsoring his place and training him, and he said for him to meet him was this amazing opportunity, um, and he was really looking forward to seeing how his career progressed. Now, I think we should all have that kind of same sense of ownership when we go to see a piece of theatre. I remember seeing Billy Boyd in a Liz Lockhead play many, many, many years ago at Eden Court. Um, and, you know, I, I see no reason why I shouldn't be able to accept a little bit of his glory for Lord of the Rings. Because you kind of think, no, I invested in you as a professional. Like, like I love seeing you doing well because I, I saw that. So, yeah, I think that's that we should all get that opportunity to feel proud of being part of a creative process and supporting creative people. I think you're right. I think it's interesting how many organisations don't come to even North Ayrshire and we're we're closer than you to Glasgow and I think now that we're having these conversations we're always as a public having these conversations about doctors and how much funding the NHS should get but we never talk about the arts. Like if I'm paying money into National Ballet, I'd be like, National Ballet, why can't you like learn all your dances here and then tour somewhere else so I have access to it? And I yeah. think we have a right to that, to that yeah. conversation if we're paying for it. So it'd be nice, I would at least say, it'd be nice if one of the things, maybe the problems that we face is not enough touring work. Maybe these organisations that were government funded should be the creation that they should be visiting each region of Scotland so that we all have that access to them, even if it's at just one venue, one big venue. Which is why they need a rural policy. I'm Barry Robertson, and you have been listening to Insights, the podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Join me today on Patreon, where you get exclusive behind the scenes footage and receive access before it's released. If you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts, 
where you can subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Join me next week for another insight. Thanks for listening.